Hello, and welcome to Blue Lightning Healing Meditations. This is a different intro, so please give it a listen. My name is Susie Parker Goins. I'm Blue Lightning Healing. I'm a channel, and that means spirit guide energy comes through me, and I can physicalize it for you. So my voice changes, my posture will change, and you'll be talking to the guide directly. I don't often remember what's going on unless they want me to. You have a conversation with them. You talk to them, ask them questions, get their perspectives, and they will give you tools and techniques to use, learn new concepts to help you move forward in life. That's an energetic form of healing. And I do other energy healing like Reiki, and I can scan your body, help you identify blockages there, identify where the blockages are based from, which could be emotions or even past lives. And that leads so nicely into me telling you I'm a past life healer also. I have this ability to see a map that shows me different blips and I check in on the blips and find out what it is, where it is, when it was, and what the issue is. And it's in relation to lifetimes that are relevant to you right now. Please like, comment, subscribe, share with your friends, donate, support me in any way you can so I can continue to produce this content. My links are in the description box. The best way to get a hold of me is through my email at suzypgoins at gmail.com. Thanks very much. My topic today is energy healing. It's also been called energy medicine, but as I have said before, I'm not a doctor, nor have I ever played one. I do not diagnose, prescribe, or treat, and the information presented today is for educational purposes only. So that being said, I want to cover homeopathy and its cousin, flower essences, and then there's Reiki and its companions, therapeutic touch, pranic healing, and healing touch. Then finally, we'll look at applied kinesiology or muscle testing. And then Monday's meditation will focus on learning about listening to your body. To start, homeopathy. It was founded in the 19th century, and that would, that's, you carry the one, and then, okay, that's the 1800s by Samuel Hahnemann. He was a German doctor who, in a trip to South America, he observed one of the principles of homeopathy in action, and that one would have been the law of similars, or what it can cause so it can cure. Hahnemann saw folks eating cinchona bark. They would develop malaria-like symptoms and then get better. You see, quinine is the treatment for malaria, and it is made from, yeah, cinchona bark. He also traveled by horse and wagon, and he found that his afternoon patients got better faster with these tinctures that had been jostled around all day. Potinization is part of the process used to make remedies today. But how is that an energy medicine? The potinization process involves not only succussion or that violent shaking, but also dilution. So when you see those numbers on the blue tubes that say 6X and 30C and so on, that refers to the potency of the remedy. How that works is that they'll make a mother tincture from the source material. Then they take one part of that mother tincture. They'll add nine parts to it or 99 parts to it. The X is the Roman numeral for 10, and the C is the Roman numeral for 9. So the X dilution will have one part source and nine parts dilution. The C product will have one part to 99. They, they shake it all up, and then you'll have a 1X or a 1C version of that. From that 1X result, you'll go and do it again with one part of that 1X and add nine parts. Then you'll have 2X and so forth. It gets to where there are no molecules of the mother tincture left. 
that number has been quantified by rounding up to 24x. It's called the Avogadro number. And at that point, the remedies work on a vibrational level because there are no molecules of the mother tincture left. I've seen potencies that are not only X and C, but I've seen them as M, so I think that's a thousand. Those are pretty strong, and those are used by practitioners who understand what a constitutional remedy is, and they're going for really deep-seated changes. I have used these remedies for over 25 years. I mean, my whole family uses them. The remedies are available over the counter. They don't require a prescription. They can be used by anyone, and there are no negative side effects from it. So if you take the wrong remedy, nothing happens. How to use them is that you look at your symptoms in minute detail, not just I have a cold, but then you look at the symptoms of your cold, the quality of the symptoms. Which side did that headache or sore throat start on? What is the consistency of your nasal discharge? How does temperature, movement, lights, thirst, hunger, how does it affect your symptoms? Every tiny detail. It does mean the difference between which remedy you would use. Case in point, the cold. So you pay attention to your nasal discharge and you see that it varies in viscosity, color. I, I know it's weird with the sight of gross, but it does make a difference. There are a lot of great books about homeopathy, not only the manuals that are next to a display, but honestly, my favorite is Dana Allman's The Consumer's Guide to Homeopathy. Next are the flower essences. The gentleman who developed these was a student of Samuel Hahnemann. His name is Edward Bach. He took his mentor's work to another level. Homeopathy is very effective for physical ailments, and yeah, it can work on you at a constitutional level. However, flower essences work on the emotional and spiritual level. The story I heard goes that Edward Bach would sit with a variety of flowers, put one in his mouth, and wait for the intuition to deliver messages. Flower essences are broken down into seven categories. Fear, uncertainty, disinterest, loneliness, oversensitivity, despair, overconcern for others, conversely, no concern for yourself. Bach flower essences aren't the only brand out there. There's also the Flower Essence Society and, and Australian Bush Flower Essences. I'll have the links in the description. As with homeopathy, there are degrees and nuances to look out for when looking at emotional needs and finding the appropriate remedy. In each case, when you're looking for the correct remedy, you look at your symptoms very closely. Dealing with fear. What are you afraid of? Is it general or really specific? Can you name it? Or is it some sort of unknown fear? Despair. Same thing. Is it triggered by an event or an unknown cause? Is it past or present? A great all-around remedy is rescue remedy. It's a combination of five Bach flower essences. I use it when I'm extremely nervous or really anxious. Yes, there are practitioners who can help you with that deep exploration to guide you to the correct remedy for lasting and gentle healing. Now let's look at Reiki and the other healing modalities. I have covered these modalities in my energy healing podcast, but I'd like to have them here for quick reference. These modalities use a form of directed energy for clearing blockages that promote healing. Practitioners call upon divine, source, whatever techniques they've learned in their certification process to channel the energy through their hands. The healing action is on the body. Reiki. Reiki came from Japan. It was founded by Makao Usui in the early 20th century. It requires attunements that are passed on by a master, one who has studied the levels of Reiki. The attunements include, but are not limited to, self-healing, healing others and remote healing, and the mastery to be able to teach and pass on the attunements. It can be hands-on or off. 
And there are literally thousands, I'm really not kidding, thousands of flavors of Reiki. A practitioner activates the palm chakras and asks the Reiki to flow through them and to the client. As a result, that direction of energy means that the practitioner benefits like the client does. The greatest thing I learned from my Reiki training is about body scans. Yeah, I've got a podcast about it, and Monday's meditation will be a sort of scan that you can... Next up is pranic healing. It comes from the Philippines. It spawned from a casual conversation between the two founders. Like Reiki, it's clothes on, hands off. A practitioner calls in the elements in one hand, so sun, air, water, and earth. I'm not sure if it's using the non-dominant hand, but when I do it, I use my left hand palm up parallel to the ground to call in the elements. And then I project with my right hand facing out or focus area. As far as I can tell, there are no attunements required, just some training. Healing Touch was introduced in 1989 by a nurse. She was holistically informed, and it's a modality taught to and used by nurses and other healthcare professionals. You can find it in long-term care facilities, hospices, and other integrative clinics. Healing Touch certification requires a lot of training and a commitment to follow their code of ethics and standards of practice, but it's even endorsed by the American Holistic Nurses Association and the National Certification Board for Massage Therapy and Bodywork. Therapeutic Touch was developed in the early 70s by a clairvoyant healer and a nurse that's also practiced by health professionals. More hands-off modality, but it recognizes that healing happens in the energetic body and the flow of energy enhances the healing. Therapeutic touch healers can move their hands in sweeping motions and then they'll pause to assess areas of focus. The cool thing for me about these modalities is that they've had hospitals and have been used in medical settings. There were Reiki hospitals in Japan before it spread to the West. Hospitals use it here in America through nurses and other practitioners. Finally, we're looking at applied kinesiology. It's also known as muscle testing. So while I don't directly treat or prescribe or diagnose, I do believe muscle testing works well. I used to work at a local herb shop and the proprietor would muscle test herbs on customers to see which their bodies would best tolerate. Many were hesitant, so she would demonstrate. She would ask the customer to stand comfortably with their dominant arm extended out to the side, palm parallel to the floor. She told them to resist as best they could as she pushed down. It gave her a data point on their normal strength. Then she would hand them a jar and ask them to hold it against their solar plexus. They held the intention to find out if whatever substance was in the jar was going to be a benefit for them. She would tell them to resist her push. Invariably, their arm would offer no resistance. It didn't matter how much they thought they were struggling and trying and the faces were all squished up. Their arms would drop. And then the looks of shock and wonder, it amused me often. She would show them the jar and it was something like soap or an ingredient for soap. And she would say, see, soap is not good for you to eat. And then she would pick out herbs from these that she had access to in her great herbal mental library and muscle test them on these people to see what's the best blend for them. And they were amazed to see how strong they could be for some, how not so strong they could be. There were varying degrees. And from there, the herbalist would make a blend for her customers. Now, it's not practical for me to have any shopping companion test me with my arm sticking straight out from the side. So there's another technique I use that I learned from my dialogue with the body class. It's like using your body as a pendulum. 
So now you can find me in the grocery store looking at a new product, casually placing it on my solar plexus as if I'm really reading the label. You may see me lean a little bit forward or a little bit backwards. Then if I lean forward, the item will go in the cart. If I lean backwards, the item goes back on the shelf. The thing to remember is to ask your body what signal it will give you for a yes, like you would a pendulum. You can make a statement that is blatantly true, but years ago, when I was taught about muscle testing this way, we were taught a very obvious question like biological gender. But honestly, these days, we know better. So what you can do is stand comfortably, your feet hip width apart, and ask your body to show you yes. However it responds, that's your yes. And then ask it, what is no? And that's your no. Yeah, it's that simple. Go find something you want to test. Go for something really wrong, soap or plastic, and then find something that's really good for you and test it. It doesn't have to be a drastic lunge to be an answer. Honestly, when my balance wasn't so great, my strength was still rebuilding, my husband and my herbalist friend visibly tensed as I tested. So I set the condition for me to give me a smaller response. There are times I can even hear it through my intuition. I can pick something up and just hear, yeah or no. Once you trust what you hear, it'll save you time. When you understand that everything is some form or density of energy, the opportunities and modalities for healing blow wide open. And to bring this to a finer point, energy healing is one of the things I do. I use Reiki, body scans, looking for energy shifts to help my clients. I show you how to, to go through your body, identify blips to see if there's a blockage that's holding you back from your best life. Whether it's trauma, emotion, or past life issues that are anchored in your body, we can find them and we can work together to release them. Energy healing is a gentle, hands-off, done-by-consent method. If you want to learn more, email me at susy, S-U-S-Y, at bluelightninghealing.com to find out more or to schedule an appointment. And this works through the virtual platforms too. So until next time, blessings.